All right, we go to Genesis 3 again. We've been there for two or three weeks here, kind of looking at this. This is an important part of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, it's foundational for everything. And concerning sin and salvation and atonement and forgiveness and all of that. All right, I'm just going to read one verse, verse 15. Genesis three fifteen, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Who's he addressing? The devil. The serpent. And so, there's an awful lot in this verse, but we'll try to hurry here. I've been talking all afternoon, so I'm pretty tired, so... You got hope. All right. Father, thank you for the songs and thank you for the Word of God. Please bless it now. I pray you'd anoint it to our hearts that we could understand these things and that it would give us light about the world we live in and the situation we're in and that we'd look on it in a, in a wise and spiritual way and not be caught up in the, in the way that carnal, natural men think about everything. Please help us to rise up above all the all that and look at it through your eyes. Help us, Lord, pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, we gotta understand who we're talking about here in order to get our bearings right from the beginning. Now the serpent is the devil. The Bible makes that very clear and we could go through the Bible and show from beginning to end. You can go to Revelation and that old serpent, it's the devil. Satan. That's his name. That's what he's known by. Uh, a lot of people got a lot of questions about the serpent in the garden and the, the, the beast. He was a beast. And, uh, but, you know, we're not going to talk about all that. There's a lot of things. I got some ideas what I think about it, but I don't. That, we just got to take what the Word of God says, and that's what we got to go with. And our best hope of understanding things right is just to do that instead of trying to ask questions that really we have, we'll never find an answer for other than in our imagination, and that's not reliable. Right. That's, we can get off in some error, great error, by allowing our imagination to take us into theories and imaginations about stuff that we don't know about, for sure. Now, God's told us what, what we need to know, and that's all we really need to know. The serpent is the devil. His seed are those people and those other devils who choose the same path of evil as he has to rebel and to usurp God's authority over their lives. So the serpent and his seed. Who are his seed? It's the people who follow him and the spirits who follow him. It's, it's, it's his side. It's his people. It's his soldiers. It's his powers. That's the seed of the devil. Now, the seed of the woman uh, is, it refers to that part of humanity that chooses the way of righteousness. In particular, the promised Messiah. There's a difference here. You know, the pronouns used here mark the difference between her descendants who live for God and the very special descendant who will one day lead his people to bruise the serpent's head. Speaking to the devil, God said, It, that's her seed, and that's plural, shall bruise thy head. 
and thou shalt bruise his heel. So I hope you see that. I hope you're paying attention and listen to that. Seed is that from which anything springs. Seed means the first principle. That's why the seed of the devil is the, it's the evil people and the evil spirits. When Satan was cast out of heaven, a third of the angels, well, I understand it, were cast out with him because they sided with him. They were willing to follow him. There's always been God's people on the earth. You go to the next generation, Seth, and then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. <laughs> the whole human race didn't become reprobate sinners because of Adam and Eve's sin. There's always been. From the time Adam and Eve sinned, we talked about last week, he, he took skins and covered them. And we just touched on that, but God provided a way yes. for man to be reconciled to Him yes. then. Yes. And so... There's always been, there have always been men and women, people who have chosen God. Abel and Cain and Abel. Abel was a righteous man. He knew the way. He chose God, the seed of the woman. See? Cain chose not to. So, and the Bible talks about it later in the New Testament. Cain being of that evil one, he was a devil seed. Even though Eve was his mother, it's not physical. The seed is not physical. It's it's spiritual. It's a moral, spiritual matter. And we choose. You're not born a child of the devil. You're not born a child of God. You choose. At some point in your life, you become what you choose to be. So, then he said, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Now, enmity is a new concept for Adam and Eve. They never knew that before. Never thought of that. Enmity, that's being enemies. It's, uh, enmity is hatred and hostility and mistrust. They never knew that. When you have enmity in a home, you have a big problem. When you have enmity in a church, you have big problems. You're going nowhere except down. Same way in the home, but with your children, at work, wherever. When you have enmity between people, you have a big problem. Now, that was something that was that referred not only to a feeling, but also to a condition a circumstance, a state of things. Now, who's going to put enmity there? No, no. God said, I will put enmity between uh, between thee and the woman. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. They'd lived in a world of peace and harmony and never known enmity, never known hostility, never known what it was to have somebody hate you, want to destroy you, Never or hurt you in some way. They never knew that. But that was part of the deal that the serpent made. See, you'll know good and evil. <laughs> Here's your evil. What is evil? It's not 
We use it to refer, and the Bible does occasionally, to sinful wickedness. But evil is basically trouble. Evil is enmity. It is that, that sorrow that's added to life that we talked about last week. Enmity. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So the enmity between the woman and the serpent is evidence that something's changed in the woman from sin back to God. Yes, there was sin. But there was a, there was a covering of the sin. There was a confession of the sin. There was, I believe, redemption happened there. How could, if Eve, if there was no enmity between Eve and the serpent, that means she's on his side. They're in one mind and one accord in evil, in wickedness. They're not. There's enmity between them now. So, stay with me. Stay with me. She's recognized her sin and confessed it to God and has forsaken not only the sin itself, but that which led her into it. Why do people have this distorted idea that Adam and Eve from then on just lived in sin? There's not one shred of evidence in your Bible about that. They were driven from the garden, but you don't have one thing in the Word of God to prove that they ever did that again. That they ever... In fact, what we're reading here is proof that they didn't. You know, that they did live for God and do right. She's recognized her sin and confessed it to God and forsaken. See, she not only hates her sin, but she hates the very things that took her there. And I, God said... Bring, the bringing of God into the equation will put enmity between the serpent and the woman and between his seed and her seed. Get it? God put enmity between the devil and the woman, but also between his seed and her seed. Look out the windows at the world you're living in. What do you see? You see hatred. You see chaos. You see enmity between good and evil. That's what you see. You see the, the fruit coming to fruition here from what happened there in the garden. When God said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between her seed and thy seed, thy seed and her seed, it, that means they're never going to get along. And there's always going to be this conflict. And as long as the world stands from this point on, this is the way it's going to be. The presence of God among those who love Him brings peace and harmony. You get a bunch, you get a family together, and they love God. There's going, that's going to be a happy, joyful home. If you have a church full of people that love God, you're going to have a happy, joyful church, Amen. and it's going to be fruitful and a blessing. But the presence of God the entrance of God into a society made up of people who love God and those who do not causes enmity between those people. I don't know how many of you have ever lived and been around long enough to be in a church where they have a split or have trouble and conflict and enmity in the church. But what is always the cause? Well, it's not... Two people that love God can't get along. That's not. That's impossible, right there. That is a. That's a fairy tale. 
You got people who do not love God, right. who are in the church. They don't love God. They don't love righteousness. They don't love God's people. And so you've got enmity. You've got God in a place where there's evil and good and there's going to be enmity. Fighting. Hard feelings. Struggling against one another. There's going to be warfare. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34. Jesus said this. He said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. This is what he's talking about. A lot of people can't understand that. They said, well, when he was born, they said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Yeah, but that's not... Jesus said himself, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. He came to bring peace, but not on earth to everybody. It'll never happen until the Lord is reigning over this earth. Amen. In the millennial reign. Till evil is put down. The enmity is not going to stop. So as long as we've got God and His people and the devil and His people, we're going to have trouble. And it's not just hard feelings and hatred and that. It's war. They mean business. And we ought to mean business. We shouldn't count this as a game or some kind of club we all join together or something like that and where we just fellowship and have a good time, eat together and sing and boy, if we don't have a good time, that we, we better look at it more than that. It's war. We're in a serious conflict here on earth with evil. And it's not going to stop. And we can't fix it. And there's no way to make a truce or peace with it. The... The enmity is the thing that separates and divides between people. You become enemies. Those at enmity with one another cannot live in harmony and cooperate together. That's why that can, uh, you know, can two walk together except they be agreed? Nope. What communion hath light with darkness? You know, no, they don't. Uh, the temple of... Uh, you know, Bilal with... You no, know, there's no compromise. There's no way to... Where we can just all get along even though we can agree to disagree and just go on. No, not when it comes to the evil and the good. Yes, Y'all understand that. I mean, if we took a... If we asked a hundred questions here tonight to everybody, <laughs> you think everybody's going to agree on everything? Of course not. But do we all agree that God's God and Jesus is the Son of God and He came to save us and we believe in Him and we love Him and we... Well, yeah, we'll agree on all of that. Would we side with evil in any way? You know, I mean, how many churches are there where there's anybody that loves God in a church? Are there people in there that like this abortion issue that want to go out and burn down everything right now? Not in a church. If they are, you might as well burn your church down because you ain't got nothing. If you're in it and you have that kind of attitude. No, we agree. That's evil. Yes. How can anybody think in any way that that is not evil to kill innocent babies in their mother's womb? It's just an abomination of abominations. It's always what the uh, culture is doing when they're on their death throws 
You read in history and you can see that. You know who Molech was and you know what they did? You know why they screamed and hollered and worshipped so loud as they did? To drown the cries of the babies as they threw them in the fire. And they did that because they didn't have birth control back then. And they were immoral. And so there were lots of babies they had to do something with. And so they invented this idea that if they sacrificed them to God, as they called Him, it was some, and that's what we got right now. See, people who believe it's wrong are accounted as immoral. It's immoral for us to deprive a woman of that right. It's, a, it's just so upside down evil. And it gets to a point where blood is shed. That's what it comes to. This enmity that's between good and evil. We've lived so long in this country and for and we've all grown up with this relative peace between good and evil. Just live and let live. And you know, as long as they they ain't bothering nobody. Let adult, consenting adults do what they want to in the privacy of their own home, you know, and that, that's been the attitude. Yeah. But you start allowing evil and you're in for trouble down the road. Your children, your grandchildren are going to pay the price for your cowardice in facing and calling out evil. And that's what's happened in our lifetime. We've let her down. And now our children are going to face the consequences. We didn't want to fight. And we don't want to call them out. And we don't want to be hated. And we don't like all of that. And, but Jesus said, marvel not if the world hates you. you know, the world hated me. How are they not going to hate you if you're like me? But boy, we don't like it, do we? We want to be accepted. So, so many churches, they have these days where they'll have all the politicians in from the local politics and stuff, you know, and make a big deal of, you know, so we can be accepted by the world. So they'll like us. So they'll respect us. Well, has it worked? Let me ask you that. Has it worked? Do, does it work when we just try to let, let it slide, just let it slide? Just let them do what they want. Let them do what they want. Don't say nothing. It's got to the point where a preacher can't preach in a Baptist church. And name sin because it offends people. And, and it may not offend the people sitting there listening, but the attitude is, you know, they're sitting there thinking, boy, I'm glad my lost son or my daughter's not here to hear this because they would be offended. Yeah. We moved a long ways away from what's really right and what's needful. It must be that way. Cry aloud. Spare not. Show my people their transgression and Israel their sin. Speak out. Cry aloud. Don't sit there and say nothing. Don't act like it's okay. Where are we at with this sodomite deal? Here's Here's where we're at. Anybody, even in a fundamental Baptist church, who has a child that turns out that way, suddenly their opinion changes. Have you ever noticed that? Suddenly, you can't say that's wrong because it's my child and, it's, and, and God loves them and, and you can't say that. You're, and they change their opinion. They become, they accept it instead of rejecting it. 
Well, you're going to find out when you stand before God that that is not going to fly with God. You're going to find yourself in big trouble with God. You sided with evil. said right here that her seed would bruise his head. Her seed. The people of God. We're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. We're to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We're to, uh, we're to resist the devil, not cower before him. The seed of the devil is evil. The seed of the woman, the, the children of God, we're supposed to stand against it. What does it mean to be the salt of the earth? What does it mean to be the light of the world? What does that really mean in practical, right down to earth reality? It means you're supposed to stand for what's right and say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You think that means you're just supposed to say, well, I'm saved. If you're saved, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ will do what? Depart from iniquity. Pretty plain. Oh, you believe in sinless perfection. You're a preacher. Uh, I don't care. Just go ahead and say whatever you want to. I've heard that so much that I don't care anymore. If you say that, I know when you say that where you're at. You're not on God's side. You think you are. And you've been deceived by the devil to think that you're on God's side while you're defending the evil. Anything, any way, any doctrine. I told you here a while back that that defends sin, excuses it, makes a way for it, or, or convinces you in any kind of underlying message that you can do it and get away with it, I'm telling you, every one of those things is from the devil. They're not from the Holy Spirit of God or His Word. So, <clears throat> enmity is a thing that separates and divides people. And those at enmity with one another can't live in harmony and cooperate together. It just won't work. That's why uh, you can't be yoked together with unbelievers. can't work together with them. You're going to have trouble. That's why you get a, a, a man and a woman married and one of them saved and one of them's not. You're going to have big trouble. There's enmity there. You can't just overlook all the differences. You can't be that way. It's a basic thing that just has to be. So we got to separate from one another. The seed of the devil, the seed of the woman. We've got to separate from one another or both can be destroyed. This is the fact of reality. And yet sinful man has tried in vain for all these thousands of years to remove the enmity by somehow reconciling good and evil without God's intervention. Are you listening? That's been the thing all through the thousands of years here. And the serpent is the power behind that determined attempt to remove the enmity between good and evil without God. Harvard University, you know how it started? Yeah, it started as a, to train preachers of the gospel. Yale, Princeton, all of those Ivory League Ivy League schools that were so well known and famous they started out teaching the Bible to men to preach the word of God that was their purpose their mission their reason for existence what are they now 
Yes, they can't even describe it. They are so far from it. They hate God. They despise anything to do with God or the Word of God or any kind of truth. I mean, they are, they're just a mess. Now, how did that happen? How did that happen? What went on there? How did it go from a hundred below to a hundred above? How did it go change completely and turn everything upside down? It's the devil. That's the way he works. How did churches start? And as, uh, you know, how many, that's the life cycle of a church. It'll start and be birthed with the Spirit of God and the Word of God and truth and believers who love one another and love God and are willing to sacrifice and work and live right and believe the Word of God. But as time passes, what goes? What happens? There's a reconciliation between evil and good without God. Here's what I mean. The people go soft on sin. They quit caring they start erasing the differences. They start... You remember... Well, I know a lot of you won't. I'm, uh, I'm forgetting again how old I am, how young you are, most of you. Jerry Falwell. Yeah. You remember... Some of you remember when he had Ted Kennedy come and speak at Liberty University with the pretense of... Every, he wanted all the students to hear both sides of the issue. Issues. Ted Kennedy. I wonder if he brought his whiskey with him. All right. Where's Liberty University at now? Yes. <laughs> Off the rails completely. What did what happened? Well, it was a try at reconciling good and evil. Let's get on. Let's just talk things over. That's the ecumenical movement. See, it's just let's just forget all of our differences and let's just hold hands and sing together and love Jesus and 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 they think it'll work, but it doesn't work. God put enmity. God means for that to be there. You that love the Lord, what's about what's the next words? Hate evil. You're not supposed to have kind, soft feelings toward evil. The souls of men are a different thing. But how do you separate the sinner from his sin? Now, now just tell me how you do that. Hmm. Everybody believes that's what you are. I mean, they believe it's the core. And it is. You know? And you can't reconcile it that way. Removing the enemy, the en enmity, there we go, uh, is and always has been one of the devil's main goals. He wants us to quit hating evil, and but he doesn't ever try to get evil to quit hating us. Righteousness. Ain't that funny? That kind of reveals who's at work there, doesn't it? Yes. He doesn't want to remove the enmity by surrendering and submitting to God, but by removing all that speaks of God or makes people aware of His existence. They kick God out of everything. Can't pray in Jesus' name and all of the legislatures and everything. That's, off, that's out of the... But satanic priests can pray yeah. there. Uh, Muslim gurus or whatever they are, they can pray there. But you can't mention Jesus' name. That's the issue. Why? 
I thought we were trying to be buddies and love one another, and I thought it just didn't make any difference, all of our differences of opinions and beliefs. Ain't, isn't, isn't there just one God, and aren't we all going to the same place, and don't we all worship the same God? <laughs> well, that's the way they feel about it all except us, yeah. people who believe in Christ right. and the and righteousness, right. the God who created everything, the moral God, the holy God. He's the one they don't want nothing to do with. It's the same thing. Her seed and his seed. There's enmity there. Well, there's a whole other realm of this where the evil try to be confederate with one with another and they do it for a very short time. They can't get along with one another. When they, when, they, when they don't have us to kill and persecute, they turn on one another because that's their nature. They're murderers, just like their father, the devil. The devil doesn't want the enemy removed so there will be peace. He doesn't want the enmity. I keep saying enemy. He doesn't want the enmity removed so there will be peace, but because he hates God. He loves evil, and he wants to do away with all that pertains to God. See, that's what he, he stated as his mission from the beginning. I'll be like the Most High. I will set my throne above the heavens. That's his goal. Do away with God and Him rule. That's still his goal. He wants rid of God. He don't want anything said. That's why they've got to tear down the crosses. That's why they've got to remove all public displays of anything that reminds them of God. The Ten Commandments. The Scripture verse we had for years... Uh, we had a man at Piedmont. He put scripture verses on the highway. You see them everywhere. They're still everywhere. We had one down by our driveway and somebody tore it all to pieces on purpose. Ran over it, busted it up, pulled it up, throwed it down. Why do they do that? What would provoke a person to do that? No, they hate him. Yes. What does it say about them? They are evil. That's what it says about them. They want rid of God. They want, they want this enmity removed and their idea is to get rid of God and His people and anything that reminds them of God. He doesn't attempt to remove the hatred for good from those who are evil, the devil. He doesn't go about it that way. He doesn't attempt to remove the hatred for good from those that are evil. Hmm. The devil's not going to try to stop these people who are burning and looting and everything because oh, they're mad about the Supreme Court decision on abortion. He's not going to try to calm them down and say, nah, y- y'all don't, just don't need to feel that way about these people. They don't mean you no harm and they're good people. I mean, the devil ain't going to ever do that. What's he going to do? He's going to do what Soros and... Biden and everybody else is doing this throw gasoline on the flames. Yeah. Keep it up. Like the, who's the black, uh, somebody, politician in the Congress. Yes. Tell them to, to, you know, they need blood in the streets. Now that's the politicians. That's the congressmen and senators saying that to the public. And then they're having hearings about an insurrection that happened. <laughs> It's all lopsided. The devil's not honest. He is a liar and a deceiver. 
And he's not, and he just wants to destroy. The thief cometh not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. There's enmity. God put it there. We're not supposed to like that stuff. We're not supposed to accept that stuff. We're not supposed to sympathize with that stuff. Justify it. Excuse it in any way. It's wrong. And there used to be a time when preachers would say that. And there used to be a time when people who sat in pews in the churches had enough spirituality in them and enough faith in God and knew enough about the Word of God, they'd say something too. We talked about John the Baptist this morning. Why is he in prison? Because he said something to a ruler. He told him the truth. It's not lawful for you to have her. You're sinning against God. And you're going to answer for it to God. Well, it got him in prison, got his head cut off. So, well, he should have been wiser than that. He'd still been preaching for a long time after that if he'd just just went about it in a wise way. I've heard people say that. Not preachers, you just need to you just need to be a little more polished and a little more tactful. And you know, there's some there's some truth there. But not when it comes to being quiet about evil and not speaking out against it. Not speaking out against it to family who'd be offended by it. We was way better off when I said too much than not saying enough. When it comes to that stuff. Where's the salt? You know. You say, well, they'll just despise it and they'll cuss you out and they'll just tell everybody you they'll hate you. <laughs> they hate us anyway. Don't you understand that? It's true. They're gonna hate you. Jesus said, Don't worry about him hating you. They hated me, they're gonna hate you. Yes. How in the world can we think Jesus came, the perfect man, who said everything exactly right and they hated him? more than they've ever hated any other human being that's ever walked the face of this earth. And somehow we're going to walk so softly through this world that we live in. It's a cesspool of sin and and we're going to, everybody's going to like us. Because we'll have more influence if they like us. If I just don't say nothing about it, well then, you know, they'll like me better. What a selfish, cowardly way to live. And claim Jesus as your Savior. No, you're going to face Him one day. You're going to be ashamed before... We're going to be ashamed before Him when we stand before Him with all that on us. If you don't confess me, if you're ashamed of me in this generation, He said, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. If you won't confess me before sinful men down here, I'll not confess you before my Father in heaven. I'll take that serious. He, He doesn't try to Remove the hatred for good from those that are evil, but he always tries to remove the hatred for evil from those that are good. You're the one he's working on. We are. You're the one. We're the ones the devil works on real hard to get. That's not the Holy Spirit of God trying to get us to go soft on the evil. It's the devil. He's here. He. As he always does, he twists the truth of the Word of God to suit his own evil purposes. He abuses and misconstrues the idea of the love of God and how that we should love everybody no matter what. This modern generation that we live in is not the first one to swallow this distorted view of God and His Word. The Bible is very clear about the fact that the enmity is still there. 
And as long as the holy God exists, and He will exist forever, He's not going to die. The hippies were wrong. They said God's dead, and all they were just dumb and blind and, and, yes. and high on their dope. And out of their minds. God's not dead. Never will be. I'm alive forevermore, Jesus said. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. Count on that. He, 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 you know, the Bible's very clear about the fact that the enemy's still here. And there'll be enmity between good and evil as long as God exists and the world stands. Now, Psalm 97, verse 10. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the souls of His saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. So the wicked are trying to do away with the righteous. Always been that way. Since Cain and Abel. Started right there, didn't it? Yes, sir. First example. The first man born and the first man that died on earth. Who died? The righteous. Who killed him? The wicked. His own brother. And it's been that way ever since. And, and so we needn't to expect any of us that, we, that we're going to be the one after all these years and, and all these people. We're going to be the one that gets it right. We're going to get along with everybody. Just live for Jesus and nobody will hate me. Just do right and everything will be okay. Well, I'll go back to this morning's message about John. How'd that work for him? Didn't work that way, did it? Abel was a righteous man. The Bible tells us so. Righteous Abel. How'd it work for him? Did, did the wicked love him because he did right? No, he hated him and killed him. <laughs> doesn't work that way folks it's because you love Jesus and go to church and you do right and you live a certain way and you dress a certain way and, and you go out there in the world thinking they're going to admire you they're not going to admire you they're going to hate you how, how long does it take us to understand that we think it earns us respect it doesn't so, uh, Proverbs for not from the wicked it doesn't it does from other righteous people. It does from God, but it doesn't earn us, earn us any respect or love from the wicked. Proverbs eight thirteen: The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way. The fear of the Lord is to hate those things. Did you hear that? That's the Bible, Proverbs 8.13. It's not Mike Miller's version. That's what it says. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way. And the froward mouth do I hate, he said. Amos 5.15. Hate the evil and love the good. And establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Hmm. Let me ask you something. If there's somebody, you men, if there's somebody that hates your guts, I'm sorry, that's just kind of rude, but they hate you. But your wife just thinks they're the finest person in the world. They, your wife speaks well of them and she just talks about them how, you know, how would you feel about that? 
How would you feel if your wife didn't have any problem with somebody who hated you? Well, how do you think God feels? When we cozy up to the world, to people who hate God. When we go to them for counsel and advice and information. How do you think God? He's a jealous God. And that's not a sin. Envy is a... That's another thing. I heard somebody the other day, I'm always saying this, jealousy and envy are not synonyms. It's two different things all together. God's a jealous God. He's not a sinful God. But envy is always referred to as a sinful matter in the Bible. <laughs> I heard somebody just the other day, they used the word jealous instead of envy. It was envy. They, were, they meant the person, envied this person, but they said they're jealous of this person. I guess they're not teaching in school words anymore and what they mean. But how do you think God feels? Hmm? I can tell you how He feels. Very hurt and grieved and, you know, just disappointed in us when we will not separate from this world. When we'll listen to them, when we'll cozy up, when we'll respect them, when we change our feelings and emotions toward them, because the devil has deceived us to do that. The devil has caused us to cause us to have this affection for the things and the people of this world. Doesn't sit well with God. You need to think about how God feels about it and about how you feel. How God feels about how you feel toward evil. It's enmity. It should be enmity there. Was there enmity when Jesus came? Yes, there was. Did Jesus uh, have any dealings with sinners? Yes, He did. But did Jesus ever coddle a sinner? Did He ever excuse a sinner? Did He ever cover up for a sinner? Did He ever count Himself as among them, as one of them? Did He ever put His arm around one of them and say, me and you just like, it's just the fact that, you know, I ain't got caught yet and you have. Did He? No. No, no, no. That woman caught in adultery in the very act. You know, people have a hard time with that. There's more to that story than what's there. Yeah, there is. Jesus didn't just cover up her sin. And when it was all done, what did He say? He said, Woman, where are thy accusers? She said, No man, Lord. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Then what did He say? Go and sin no more. She sinned. But she got forgiveness. <laughs> Luke 8, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 6 and 22. <laughs> Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. Jesus said that. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. Now, there's got to be a reason. You don't want to be hated because you're arrogant and hateful and, and just a miserable, wretched person. Rude to everybody and mean as a devil. I mean, they're going to hate you. And it ain't going to be for righteousness' sake. And I hate you because everybody hates a person like that. I'm, I'm being strong with the words there. They don't like them. You don't want nothing to do with them. You separate yourself from their company. Blessed are you when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company 
and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Because you identify with Christ. If, if that's why they hate you, because you stand for what's right in the sight of God, you believe in Christ, and, you know, let him that name of the name Christ depart from it. Let everyone name of the name Christ depart from iniquity. That's it. That's the deal now. And if you're one of them and they hate you, Jesus said, blessed are ye when men hate you for that. Now, if you cheat somebody and you're dishonest and you're immoral and all of that, they're going to hate you. You're not blessed because they hate you for that. But if, you're, if they hate you, because you love God. If they hate you for the same reason that Herod and that wicked white woman he had hated John the Baptist, then you're blessed. Yes, sir. So you ought to have enough courage to stand for God in this world of evil. You ought to have enough courage to say something once in a while. In the right way. Speak the truth in love. Like Jesus did. Jesus had a way. Study Him. Read about Him. Pay attention. How He handled every situation. The words He used. Look at it. Take it apart. Pay attention to the way He did it. And we'll all learn to be... We'll be better Christians. We'll be more like Him. And you say, well, it got Him killed. Well, it's alright. Might get us killed too. But how much good did He do? <laughs> He died on that cross. Everybody, all that all forsook him and fled. And everybody thought, well, that didn't amount to much. You know, just look at what it all amounted to. Nothing. They're all scattered. It's all over. Just another one of them things. Didn't amount to nothing. Oh, but they didn't know. What has it amounted to? Well, we mark time. We measure time from his birth. Everything in this world is centered around Christ. Even as wicked as this world is, it's still the, the point in human history that everything is reckoned from. So He did accomplish more than we think He did, than everybody thinks He did. He changed the world forever. Forever, ever, ever. We wouldn't be here tonight. There wouldn't be a thing for us to do here tonight if it hadn't been for Him. So pay attention to how He lived, how He dealt with this world full of enmity and iniquity and hatred and strife. How He dealt with the seed of the devil. Mark it, how He did that. And do likewise. Let us do likewise. Psalm 101.3 I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. That's See, that's the psalmist. Did he say, I hate them people that do wicked? No. That's not, I will send no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It will not cleave to me. Psalm 139, 21, 22. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am not... I grieved with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. 
It's hard to swallow this love generation that had never heard anything except Jesus loves you and God loves you and I got something to tell you and I got a bumper sticker from my car, Jesus loves you. That's not the message of the gospel. What's the message of the gospel? Talked about it this morning. John the Baptist came preaching what? Repentance. Repent. The Pharisees came to him wanting to be baptized. He said, Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, you old generation of vipers? What was the issue? He said, Bring forth fruit, uh, meat for repentance. You know, this will change your life. It calls you out of the darkness into the light. You switch sides. You're on the devil's side until you get saved and born again. That's right. And then you're on the Lord's side. Like Joshua stood out there that day and said, who's on the Lord's side? We ain't going one step farther. We're figuring out who's who right here. Now, who's on the Lord's side? Step over here. He said, I'll tell you one thing. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Yes. And it, that's the way it is. There's a time in your life when, when, you get, when, when it just comes down to that question. Who's on the Lord's side? Am I on the Lord's side? You either stay on the devil's side or you change sides. You give them your old uniform and everything, all the training and everything you got from them, you throw it down and you join the Lord's army. Yes, sir. We teach little kids, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. But we, we fail to live it when it comes right down to the practical thing here. But he said, the psalmist said, I hate them. I hate them, everyone that hates you. I hate them with a perfect hatred. We don't like that word. We don't understand that word. Jesus used it. He said, He that hateth not his father or mother or brother or sister, yet in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What are you going to do about that? Did Jesus really mean you got to hate your mother and you got to hate your father? You can't be my disciple the way we understand hatred. No, that ain't what he meant. You know that's not what Jesus meant. Whose side are you on? That's the issue. Said so my father, one of them said, My father died and I, he's going to die and I got to bury him. What did Jesus said, Let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. What, what's the issue? Who, what side are you on? Which, where do your affections lie? Where do your sympathies lie? We think too much about people and how they feel and too little about God and how He feels about what we say and do and and where our affections lie in this world. Do you hear me? Interesting that these two verses are followed by Psalm 139, 21, 22. They're followed by 23 and 24 which says, Search me, O God. And know my heart. After, right after he said, I hate them that hate thee, and I hate them with a perfect hatred, and he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You're not right with God if you don't hate evil. Do you understand? 
I don't mean hating evil people. Jesus didn't hate them. He looked on Jerusalem and He looked on the multitude and He had compassion on them because they were as sheep without a shepherd. Scattered. No hope. And, and He wept over Jerusalem for the same reason. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come hating sinners, but He hated evil. He hated what evil did to people made in the image and likeness of God. And He come to fix that, to rescue them, to set the captives free. <laughs> and He didn't feel good toward evil. And you can tell it in Matthew chapter 23, and you can also tell it, we read in Matthew 15, 16, somewhere along in there the other day. Boy, He lowered the boom on them because... It was just like, if you just thought he was just a man and not anything else, and you just thought, you'd think, boy, he got up in a bad mood today because he answered them sharply. <clears throat> because it was just, it was how he felt toward the evil. We need to have that in us. There's a time to speak softly, and there's a time to... Speak up. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh thee. That's what we're supposed to be able to do. Sometimes that answer is not soft and sweet and kind and wonderful and received well. But it's our duty to God to say something once in a while. So therefore, knowing that one of the main goals of the serpent is to remove the enmity we ought to guard our hearts in this matter here. See, this is one of the things. The devil is, one of his main goals is to soften our heart toward evil, sin, iniquity. Be more accepting of it. Be more tolerant toward it. Tolerance. You see how it works, don't you? That was the... That was the way we got all this iniquity on top. Why, how they got all the high places is we had to be tolerant, we were told. Tolerant. Tolerant of evil. Now how tolerant are they of our righteousness? Our God. How, how tolerant are they of our opinions and our feelings? Don't count that way. It only counts the other way. See, the devil's deal, it's always his way or the highway. It's not for us. We don't have the same rights. We don't have the same... It just doesn't work that way. Anything that takes the edge off of our hatred for evil is from the devil. You can remember that. Not from God. Anything that takes the edge off of our hatred for evil. And you know what will take the edge off of it faster than anything? Just hanging around them. Just listening to their conversation. Just going places with them. Fellowshipping with them. Mm -hmm. Enjoying the same things they enjoy. Going to the same places they go. Watching the same TV shows they watch. Mm -hmm. Listening to the same radio shows they listen to. Right. It'll take the edge off. Mm -hmm. You'll just, that's why God told His people when, he, when they went in the land of Israel to kill everything that breathed. And he told them not to learn the way of the heathen and not to have any fellowship with the people of the land and not to make marriages between their sons and their daughters or their daughters and their sons. Don't mix with them. 
You know what God said? He said, they'll, st they'll, they'll steal your heart away from me. And that's exactly what happens. You get around them and you get to knowing them and you know their family and their kids and everything and they just, well, they're just folks. I mean, they're good folks. They just don't know God. And I've told you before, uh, a lot of you, but we were in Virginia one time at this church and I was going to preach the next Sunday morning. It was on Saturday night and the men had a prayer meeting on Sunday, Saturday night. All the men come to church and prayed. So we, was, we all got there. We got down to pray. And of course, it's in the south, so everybody prayed out loud all at once. Well, I was sitting, I was at the altar right next to this other man, and and I heard him pray. And this is what he said: He said, "Oh Lord, please help these people that are out here tonight, drunk and high on marijuana and and living in sin like this." He said, "Lord, they're good folks. They just don't know." I stopped praying, and I thought, "What in the world?" Now, is that the Holy Ghost working on him, shedding the love of God abroad in his heart? Or is that the devil softening him up toward evil? Yes. How should you pray for those people? Not like that. You don't tell God that his enemies are good people and they just, he just needs to be patient and have mercy on them because they just don't know. No, they do know. Yep. See what I'm talking about here tonight? Anything that has that effect on us is the result of the presence and influence of Satan and not of God. This influence is so strong in this world that God always commands His people to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Receive not the unclean thing, and I, or touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I'll be a father unto thee, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Come out from among them. How often do you hear that anymore? How many people believe that anymore? No, it's a principle that's gone. This influence is so strong that God commands us to come out. And then one more thing. Beware of the temptation to reconcile evil with good outside of the forgiveness of sins and the redemption which is only found in the atonement that Christ provided for. See, there's no way for us to be, uh, you know, close friends, fellowship and friends with people that hate God. You just can't do it. But is there a way for us to be friends? Yep. If they turn from their sin and their hatred toward God and their hatred toward God's people and turn to God in faith, then, then we can have fellowship one with another. As we walk in the light... We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. See? That's how it happens. But we can't walk in the light and them in the darkness. There's no communion. What communion has light with darkness? Nope, 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 nope. Can't do it. Y'all understand this? Do you get the practical application of this in your everyday life? Am I saying... Be rude to people? No. Nope. There's never any reason, no excuse whatsoever. If they're driving nails in your hands on a cross, it's no excuse for you to be unkind or to rail on them. That, that gets you nowhere. 
But speaking the truth in love, you know, we've talked about that a lot. They don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Do you care about them? They're in the devil's snare. Jesus came to set the captive free. And here we are right in the middle of it. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> well, we're ambassadors for Christ. That's what we are. We're to intercede. Intercessory prayer. We're to, we're to show them the love of God the way Jesus did without compromising and becoming what they are. Jesus could, he got criticized because he ate with sinners and publicans and sinners. But he told them, he said, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of heaven before you. That was offensive to them. Hope you don't misunderstand here tonight about hate and evil. This enmity that's between us, it's an enmity. But how does it get across? You know, Dad said something here the other night about a letter I wrote him years ago. You should have seen the enmity that was there before. Yeah. I've known other people. You know, Brother Junior came to church over there. You know, you've heard him give his testimony over and over and how he... He had come off and on, I guess, through the years before, but he didn't know. He wouldn't stick. No way. He just wasn't in. Well, he came, and I was preaching Sunday school. And Brother Junior said that he told his wife after they left, he said, as long as that man's there, I'll never go back to that church. It made him mad. But when he got home, you know, through a little period of time there, it, the Lord just worked on his heart. And not too long after that, I remember the night he come out to the mission. We were having a camp, uh, prayer meeting out there, and Brother Junior come up, and and that's what he had to tell that night at the prayer meeting. You know that he, Lord, had just really convicted him. You know, and he was wrong, and that was twenty five years ago or so. <laughs> so there's enmity that comes first. It doesn't mean that it's hopeless. That maniac coming running out of the tombs at Jesus. But the devil's crying out. <laughs> but the situation was all changed when Jesus left there, wasn't it? Yes, sir. The enmity was gone because the devils were gone out of him. And there was peace. And in his right mind, clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's the way it happens. But we don't want people to hate us, and we don't like that enmity and that feeling, so we're afraid of making anybody mad, so we just don't say nothing. Let me tell you something. It took somebody saying something to ever get my attention and my mind to start thinking in the right way. They had to offend me. Don't let somebody go to hell. Yeah. Not your family, not your children, not some loved one because you're afraid to say something. You can say it in a way. Be careful. Don't just fly off and go do it. Study about it. Pray about it. Look at Jesus. Find a, a situation that Jesus dealt with similar to what you're wanting to deal with. And do it like Jesus did. 
Yes. Dig in there and find it. Dig deep to find out how he did it. What he said. What his heart was in the, in the situation. And uh, we can do some good. We can gain some ground in this, this warfare between evil and good. Amen. Think about it. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. And thank You, Lord, for the truth that's here. In the very beginning of the Word of God, we can see what the situation is. I think the devil works on us also to make us to stir up our feelings that are wrong against the evil. I see so many Christians, so-called, they, they, they manifest a, a real deep hatred for people like politicians and like uh, wicked people who just live so low and filthy. And Lord, that's not what we're talking about here tonight. We don't need to be that way. I know that's not pleasing to you. The leper was pretty repulsive, but Jesus touched him anyway. And He rescued him from the snare that he was in. Pray You'd help us to have that heart. Help us, Lord. It's all summed up in just having the mind of Christ. Help us, Lord, in this. Uh, we need to have the way made clear, and we need to understand these things so that we can walk circumspectly in this world and do some good and not just make a mess behind us as we stomp through this world. Lord, may this sink down deep in our ears and help us with it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hell, amen. And go on and on. I don't want to, but I mean, I'm just telling you. Every one of us here tonight, you can think of of things in your life. I can. I can remember just feeling offended and condemned at the same time just by a look on somebody's face. You you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but you know what it did for me? In the long run of that, it helped me. It was good for me to be offended. It was good for me to be made aware of that again. If everybody just accepts everything, then you think you're fine and dandy. We all do. It's only when you get that rebuke once in a while that you that it really changes something. Isn't that right? You know, people don't do it too much anymore, but you know, every once in a while when I was a kid you get smacked for just talking something nonsense and not supposed to say it and say it anyway, just just a runaway mouth. Well, you know what that smack did? Stopped your runaway mouth immediately. Made you start thinking about next time. And the next time you went, oh, you caught yourself. I've seen these little ones do it. Start to say something. <laughs> well, that's the way it is. We're salt of the earth. That's the way it works. I don't, uh, I don't rebuke people for talking filthy in front of me until it gets too far. But I don't have to. Because it's, it's very seldom ever happens. Because somehow they perceive right early into the 
the conversation or the meeting one another, they perceive the difference. And they generally respect that. But I have said something before to people because they just went on and on. Or when it's in front of the wife or some children or something like that, say something. They stop. And the next time, it changes them. They don't, you don't forget something like that. Even if anybody's ever rebuked you for it, you, you realize what I'm telling you. You, know, you still remember it. It did something to you. It, it pulled some reins back on you. And that's a good thing. That's what we're that's part of what we're here for. The light makes a difference. It reveals what's hidden in the darkness. And that's healthy for us all. I'll quit, I'll quit, I'll quit. Amen. All right. Anybody got a word here? Remember to pray for her and Peggy tomorrow traveling. And uh, pray for Gary the doctor and uh, pray about the concrete guy pray for him I'll get a hold of him here if I don't hear from him in a day or two so alright you gonna stand for the Lord are you on the Lord's side I'll tell you we'll be glad we did it may make it rougher on us here, but we'll be glad when, it, when we're standing with the Lord in that place. He's prepared for them that love Him forever. And the wicked are separated. The enmity's gone. Just think about that. You'll be glad you stood for God in the midst of a crooked and perverse genera- nation. Amen. All right. Remember next week is the... I'm sure we'll have a good time. We always do. Been good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, pray for one another. As we separate and go here in a little bit, pray for one another through the week. Amen. All right. God bless you. Dismissed.